It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Cajun Nation, we're here, Raging Cajun Army, with a breaking news episode. Gunnar Leger, former Cajuns pitcher, has signed his first pro deal with the Cleveland Indians, and he was gracious enough to join us right now. Gunnar, what's going on, man? How y'all doing? Thank y'all for having me on. So, you know, first of all, I want to say congrats on the on the new deal. Um, yeah, you know, round of applause. Let's give a round of applause for Gunnar. Let's talk about, you know, how it came about. Where in the Indians organization are you headed? Kind of, kind of let everybody know what's going on with all that. Um, so basically, after uh, after I, gra- I graduated uh, this past year from UL and played my fifth year, um, obviously the draft came. Didn't get drafted, uh, most likely due to just the medical stuff. I'd uh, obviously have a lengthy medical history now and. Um, was kind of up and down throughout the year just with inflammation and little things and, and really just kind of out of shape and not in playing shape at all or I guess what I'm used to being the shape that I'm used to being in and what I'm used to being able to do as far as start and throw you know throw a whole season and throw a, a good amount of innings um, so after the draft um, I'd say a few weeks after I had had the, the Dodgers reached out for a basically a free agency opportunity um, and I had kind of already you know, put the ball down and the plan was to come up and move to Nashville, which is where I'm at now. Uh, me and my girlfriend moved up here probably about six or so months ago. Um, so basically the plan was to come up here and, and train and get back into the shape that I'm used to being in and really just have a true off season. Cause I haven't really had an off season since, you know, since I would say my really even my sophomore year, because my, my, the end of my sophomore year, that summer, I mean, I went to the Cape and then basically played the whole summer and then came back and was, you know, in fall ball and we did the whole fall thing and then the season. Um, and then, then you drafted the surgeries and all that stuff. So I really went a long time without really being able to have a true off season. Um, so, yeah, basically just decided to come up here, get back into shape, throwing shape, playing shape. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, we, we moved up here. Um, basically been training for four or five months, um, started throwing a couple months ago. And the plan was basically just to, like I said, get back into shape. Most likely we thought it was going to come down to like doing some workouts. I mean, I guess what you could call like a pro day kind of for, for teams, whether it be here at the facility, um, in Nashville, which is, I don't know if I mentioned, but the, the agency that represent represents me or represented me in college is up here. Um, and obviously still represent me. Um, and so they have a facility and all that stuff. So that's where I've been working out. Um, and, um, so yeah, I uh, came up here, got into shape, thought it was going to come down to a workout, um, and was lucky enough. One of the Cleveland Indians pitching coordinators or pitching directors was in here visiting with, 
um, my agents, they're close friends. And I actually know the, the coordinator as well personally. So he just kind of saw me doing my work and um, really didn't know that much about it. Honestly, my agents were kind of working in, I guess, in private or in the background and, and kept me in the loop, but kind of didn't keep me in the loop just because, you know, I mean, there was, there was really no, it's such a unique situation. I think they just kind of didn't want me to get my hopes up or anything like that. Um, and so from what they told me, the Indians reached out to them basically and, and wanted to get a deal done, wanted to get it situated and, they, you know, finagled it all and got it all dealt with, and and now we're here. So it's kind of the best case for for everything. We didn't we didn't want to come down to a workout because it's not like not really my forte to go in and and kind of blow uh, blow it out of the water in a workout. It's not like my stuff is electric to say the least. So um, we were trying to get it done outside of a workout. I mean, I'm healthy and and um, and ready to go. Nice. Now, you know, one, one thing one thing I want to ask, Gunner, you know, obviously 2017, the Miami Marlins drafted you in the 26th round, and you decided to stay in Lafayette, stay at UL after your junior year. Um, who played the biggest role in kind of guiding you through that decision and through your, through your rehab process? Uh, as far as the decision to return, um, I mean, I just – I felt like the – I guess you could say the offers or the opportunities that presented themselves that year in the draft weren't worth um, what I thought, you know, finishing college in another year of finishing my career at UL would, you know, w- was worth. Um, and that was, I mean, I didn't, I had been having some, some elbow stuff, but I mean, I had, you know, gotten checked out by a doctor and all that stuff. I mean, I didn't know that I was hurt at that point. You know, we figured that out after the draft. Um, so, but really, I mean, it, it came down to, my dad basically telling me when, when I was receiving calls and receiving offers that, that um, let's say, I guess that would be the second day of the draft. I'm trying to think in my junior year. And I mean, it's just crazy how fast all that stuff happens. I mean, got, you know, you're basically getting like, will you take this amount? Will you take this? And then it's kind of like, this is your chance. You know, like if you want to go right now, this is your chance. And this is the, you know, what you're going to get. And, you know, I just remember like uh, basically my, my heart fell through basically through my ass and my dad just looked at me and he was like, you know, this is one, this is your opportunity. And two, like, just do what your gut tells you to do. Like you don't want to regret this. And for whatever reason, I don't, you know, maybe it was God coming down and telling me, I just, if something was telling me like, just go back, like, you you know, this is not, this is basically not how it's going to end or supposed to happen. And so I, you know, I respectfully told him no. And, and informed all the teams that I was going back for before that third day, or I guess after the second day and the Marlins still drafted me and, and tried to get me a little extra money um, compared to what, you know, the signing bonus normally is for guys drafted after the top 10 rounds. Um, and again, I, I mean, I just, I told them that I was going to stick to my word and, and that, um, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so, yeah, got the draft happened and, and all that stuff happened. I went to get my elbow checked out of my form and just cause I had been having some problems and later in the year, the velo started to dip a little bit, which is, you know, usually kind of what happens when something's wrong with that or with, you know, with the UCL got the MRI, it was torn, um, figured out I needed to have that surgery and then figured out I needed to have, uh, the, the thing in my leg, it was doing the complete opposite of what we thought it was going to do. 
Um, and so basically I was like, you know, I want to, I want to knock it all out. I want to do everything that we know about. I want to do something about right now. And so that's kind of what led to all that surgery stuff. Um, and, you know, spent shoot a year basically trying to get back to being able to even play. Um, and then, you know, was lucky enough to be able to at least compete in my last year, my fifth year. Um, felt good going into the year and stuff and obviously made that first start on opening night and made, I think, a start or two after that. And then had some inflammation in my elbow and inflammation in my shoulder and just all kind of stuff. And I think that was just really just from not being in in shape, you know, just not being in shape. Uh, kind of, I don't want to say I rushed back, but obviously was trying to get back for opening night. It meant a lot to me. And, you know, I wanted to be, be there for the team and for the city and for everybody and, and for myself. Um, and so I think it was just a combination of the surgeries and, and just not being really in good enough shape to, to be doing what I was asking my body to do. So, um, and I think that's kind of what led to not getting drafted and, and some other stuff and all that other stuff. And, but, you know, like, like I said, it's, the story's different and the journey's different, but I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's all part of it. And it's, it's cool. You know, it's, it's definitely made me a different person. It's transformed me completely outside of the field and, and on the field too. It, it's crazy what, you know, your whole life you work for one thing, basically, you know, you put all your time and effort into it. Your, your parents dump so much time and effort and money into it to get you to that point and you feel like you're right there and then it just like someone snatches it away from you um and so I spent you know a good portion after my junior year like months where I was just pouting me basically you know I was just like mad sad I didn't I had so many emotions and just to see how kind of how everything transpired with you know my dad coming to coach at UL and then you know unfortunately coach road passing and being able to spend you know his last years at the university and on you know on this earth with him means a lot to me and um so i wouldn't change any of it you know it's um it'll be a hell of a story one day so gunner uh after the 2017 season uh you went through the the draft process you had to have those two surgeries but in 2018 Uh, you sat out and Coach Robe offered you a spot on the roster to where you technically were a player slash coach. Um, talk a little yeah. bit about that season and the learning experience from being a player on the mound to learning the other side of baseball, which is coaching. Because obviously Coach saw you as uh, valuable to the pitching staff, even while you weren't able to be on the mound. What did you learn in the 2018 season um, besides being a player, but also being a coach? Um, I think it was just cool to, to be able to see another side of coach robe. Um, I think that we had a, a really close relationship and I was lucky, you know, and I think kind of like you're saying, all that stuff that happened allowed that relationship to kind of form like that way. Um, I think it was just cool to see, or at least just see the other side of him and be able to, I mean, a lot of the times it was just, you know, me and him really, as far as like, I couldn't really do much so it's me and him standing behind watching pins or it's me and him standing behind the you know the uh the tunnel watching him hit BP and just talking or me and him in his office just talking about you know life or anything really you know so it was I mean I I looked up to him and he was a father figure to me and I mean he obviously was a a father figure to a lot of people 
Um, but I, I think it was, you know, it was just cool to see that and and learn from him um, in that way. And then also, I think it's it, it's just cool to not cool, but I think it's just interesting to have, like I said, have something that you've spent so much time and effort, and your parents have dumped so much money into and time and effort, and every everybody's kind of working towards the same goal, and then to have it taken away from you, and then now having the opportunity to to get it back is is it kind of gives you a, a new a new look at it or a different look at it and not that you you purposely you know take it for granted but I think it's just human nature like you you know you kind of think you're not invincible but you just think like that stuff's not going to happen to you and everything was kind of happened how I envisioned it happening leading up to my junior year and so you just think it's going to keep going great and then when it doesn't you're kind of like oh you know it kind of takes you back um and so I think it's just cool to be able to honestly to have it, you know, taken away from, from you and then be able to have it, you know, have the opportunity put back in your corner and have that opportunity. It gives you a whole new look at it and it gives you a whole another level of motivation and, and everything. So chatting with former Cajuns pitcher and current pitcher in the Indians organization, Gunnar Leger. Gunnar, did you expect to get drafted last year after your senior year? And did you have any meaningful conversations with organizations during the draft process? Um, I wouldn't say meaningful. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I got back leading up to it or during it was just like, you know, like I said, the medical stuff was, was a little too much as far as just, you know, I, my whole career I had thrown 90 to 100 innings, 115 innings. And then that last year, I, I don't, you know, I think I threw like 30 or whatever it was, 40. So I think for them, it was just, um, I know my junior year when I decided to come back, I always thought that, you know, I would, I would come back, have another, have another successful year, be able to finish my career out, graduate and all that stuff. And then I, I still felt like I was still a top 10 round pick. And obviously I was before all the surgeries and all that stuff. Um, and I, obviously the money would have been different being a senior. You don't really have any leverage or it's just kind of how the draft process works but I still felt like I could get drafted in a really good spot and, and do everything that I ever wanted to do um, or have the opportunity to. And, um, and so obviously it didn't work out that way. And, and I kind of knew right before and obviously during that it wasn't looking good for the draft just because of the medical history and how that, how my last year went down. Um, but I still felt like I would get some opportunity. And once it, once it went, you know, once I went down and I didn't get drafted, I, I, I was just talking with my family and, and people that are close to me. And it was, you know, I, I decided that I, I did still want to play and I wanted to make a run at it and try and try and get an opportunity. Um, and I think that it was a no brainer for me to come up here and, and train with, with my agency and, and get back to a hundred percent, get in shape and do all that stuff and really be able to attack that opportunity if it, if and when or where, you know, where it was. Very nice, very nice. So, Gunner, um, you played on the Cajuns team from 2015. Uh, you sat out 2018, and you enjoyed your senior year last year in 2019. For the time that you were with uh, the Louisiana baseball program, what was your favorite thing about being a Cajuns baseball player? And then also playing for the late Tony Robichaux, what was what was your favorite thing uh, about playing for Coach Robe? Oh man, um, my favorite thing about being a baseball player, specifically at UL, 
I would say the fans, man. I know, like, I mean, any in any team setting, you know, and uh, and being in a locker room and all that stuff is pretty similar. I feel like, like, kind of regardless of if you know the guys or not, you're going to get to know them. Y'all are going to be close, and you're going to have those, you know, those those moments and those those cool things, the the whole locker room setting and all that camaraderie and stuff. Um, but I think UL is just so so unique in the fact of of the fans and and how into it they are. And I mean, they were there. I mean, my, it, clearly my fifth year, you know, we struggled. Our record wasn't great, but I mean, they were, you know, they were still there and it, it was like, it never mattered if we were had won 10 games in a row, lost 10 games in a row, were undefeated, winless. It, it never mattered. They showed up. And, you know, luckily for me, I was able to pitch on Friday nights the majority of my career. And so, you know, I was, I was pitching in front of, you know, three, four, five, six thousand people, you know, every night. And um, so for me, that was, that was something that I always loved and will never did and will never take for granted, you know, the opportunity and the chance to do that um, was super cool. And for, you know, as far as it pertains to Coach Robe, I think from, for me, someone brought it to my attention after I graduated and got done playing. um, I was able to, I threw the first out in the new stadium and I threw the last out. I closed the last game at the new stadium that he ever coached. Um, and for me, that that's something that I'll hold on to forever. And it's extremely, extremely special to me. Um, and I mean, like I said, none of that, you know, I don't get that opportunity and none of that happens unless all this goes down the way it did, you know? Um, so it's just um, I wouldn't change any of it. It's it's super cool and it's it's going to be a heck of a story one day. Gunner, I want to ask you. You know, pitchers and catchers obviously have a have a close knit relationship because they need to. If you had to pick one guy for your Cajuns career, who is your best friend on the team, and are you still pretty close with your teammates today? Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, one guy. I mean. Yeah, you're going to get me in trouble here if I pick one guy. Uh, <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, Kenan Fontenot, obviously me and, me and Kenan have been lifelong friends. I mean, we, we grew up together, played since we were, since T-ball, basically. Played high school together, um, and then we're lucky enough to play, you know, play college together. Um, so I'd say as far as just having, you know, the strongest relationship, just – strictly on the fact of, you know, years and stuff we've been through. And I mean, that's my guy. Um, no, but I mean, I've, I'm still, you know, I try my best to, to keep in contact with, with everyone I can, you know, um, still talk to Jack, who's, you know, a lot who's still on the team, Alex Haney. Um, I know Grant Cox is a student assistant who I talked to a good bit. I mean, there's a lot of guys, man, that, that were, like I said, it, it kind of, I think that's the super cool thing about, anything team related or any sport, like, you know, it doesn't matter where they come from or where you come from or the color of your skin or religion or anything, you know, you put, you put a bunch of guys in a locker room and you're forced to, you know, come together and pull, pull in one direction. And, you know, you might have the ups and downs and the arguments and the whatever, but, you know, at the end of the day, like you have each other's backs. And, um, you know, that was the one thing my last year, you know, we struggled and we obviously underachieved, but, we were super close, man. We were, I mean, my freshman year, it was, it was really cool because I mean, you had all those guys that were there from 14, obviously super, super successful that year. And 
basically so many people left and graduated. So it was basically, you know, a handful of old guys and then just a ton of freshmen basically. And it was so cool because we were all close, you know, and we all hung out together and, and they kind of all took us under, under their wings. And, and that was so cool to me. Um, and that was similar my last year. You know, we maybe had a few more older guys, but there was a lot of young guys and we all got together and, you know, we had a, a great locker room. And I know even Coach Robes said it, you know, like it wasn't, I mean, a lot of people, people just assume that it's like internal issues or whatever, this and that. But we had a great locker room my last year and, and I wouldn't trade it for, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So we had a blast, even though it wasn't fun losing. I'm not saying it was fun losing, but we had a, a great group of guys that, you know, I mean, we, we played hard, we practiced hard and we prepared and, you know, we had a blast. So, it's funny you bring up the 2015 season because that was going to be my next question. Um, obviously, the 2015 season, uh, big shoes to fill following 2014 and that magical year. And you're coming in yeah. as a freshman. Um, if I recall, you had started a few midweek games and your performances got have, have were so consistently well that Coach Robe actually moved you up into the weekend rotation. And I believe you were Friday night towards the end of the year. Um Talk a little bit about the 2015 season as far as the high expectations coming in following that 2014 team, as well as your experience coming into that, those expectations as a freshman. Um, I mean, you know, I think coming in, I just personally, individually, I just wanted to do whatever I could to help, whether that be, you know, whatever it may be, whether it be to be a lefty specialist or, you know, it didn't matter to me. I just wanted to help some way on the field. Um, and, you know, so coming in, I mean, there was a lot of opportunity and all that stuff. And, I, you know, I think I started – I remember my first appearance was at – I want to say it was UTSA at a relief appearance, which I'd never – I'd only relieved a few times in my life. So that was a, a unique situation. I remember I think I threw – it was basically a le- kind of a lefty specialist role. I came in and faced a lefty – with some guys on base later in the game. And I, th- I threw like six or seven curveballs in a row, which I don't, I don't know if I've ever done that in my life. Um, and so I'll never forget that. Um, and then I remember on the road trip home, coach hadn't decided, coach hadn't decided who was going to start the midweek. Uh, and then they kind of, you know, he had already obviously laid out the weekend rotation and stuff. And I just remember like being on the bus ride and I think we got beat two out of three. And so, you know, nobody was happy, but I just remember being like, I, I wanted that opportunity so bad to start that midweek game. And he came up to me in the gas station on the road, on the road trip back and was like, uh, you're getting the ball against Northwestern. And I just remember like, I was trying to stay calm and, you know, stay calm, cool and collected. But I was, I was so, I mean, I was super excited and, so, yeah, I started that game, and then I think I started one more game. Uh, I think it was McNeese in the midweek, um, which was like that 19-inning game and like the sleet. That was a crazy game. Yes, um, I remember that game, I, yes. Yeah, that was for his, thousand, his thousand, thousandth win. And obviously, I, we ended up losing that game. Um, but, so, yeah, I started that game. I remember he pulled me – they pulled me earlier. He told me I was done, and I was like, why Like, why am I done? It was like the fourth or the fifth, and I was throwing pretty well. And he was like – he was like, we want you – he was like, you're going to start on Sunday. So, like, that was how I found out that I was going to – my first weekend start was against Alabama, which was, was crazy too. Um, 
And so, you know, we went up to Alabama and that was my first weekend start. And I think I, I gave up a run in the first and he, you know, he just, you know, I, I was frustrated. I, I didn't have a great first inning at all. And he just, I came in, he was like, stay calm, keep executing pitches and whatever, whatever. And our, we ended up, the offense carried us that game. We ended up scoring like 18 or 19 runs. Um, and, and so I think I had, I don't remember how, I think I had a few starts on Sunday. Um, and then, you know, just kind of just slowly got bumped up, um, was, was lucky enough to keep getting opportunities and, and he trusted me and believed in me. And, and so, you know, yeah, got on, got on Friday night. I'm trying to think who my first start was on Friday night. That's a shame. I can't remember that, but, um, yeah. And then, you know, was, like I said, was lucky enough to be able to stay healthy and, and do that basically my whole career almost. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, Gunner, you talked about your first career victory being at Northwestern State. You allowed just two runs and five innings in that game. Uh, you ended your freshman year as the Sunbelt Conference Freshman of the Year, and you were named Sunbelt Second Team. You were also named a Freshman All-American by Collegiate Baseball, Perfect Game, and D1 Baseball. But one thing I want to ask you about your freshman year, you know, that 2014 team was legendary on the field, but they were also legendary for their very competitive practices. Yeah, what was yeah. what was practice like in 2015? Was it kind of the same? Yeah, it was so different because Coach Deggs was there, and or, I mean Coach Deggs wasn't there, and Coach Harvey wasn't there, and and so I think they were they had orchestrated a, a lot of that. And I'm sure now you know now him him being back, I'm hearing similar things from the guys that I still talk to that are on the team now. Um, but in 2015, we did they did kind of try and keep a lot of his stuff. Uh, I know coach Talbot had coached with him at A&M. And so he had been, you know, he had seen some of it. Um, so we ran some similar things. Um, it's definitely, I say the crazy, it's just crazy. You know, people talk about how athletes get special treatment and which I, I agree, you know, there's no doubt we have opportunities that maybe the normal student doesn't have um, from a standpoint of getting help and, and just doing different things. But I just remember, I mean, it was like, you know, 6 a.m. twice a week, class from, I mean, I literally went to class from 8 to noon, basically, and then you get out, you grab lunch quickly, you, you go to the field, and you're there for three or four or five, whatever it is, you know, basically noon to five, um, and you go home, and you got homework, and all of a sudden, I just remember, <laughs> I remember calling my parents from my dorm room and just being, like, so overwhelmed with everything, um, no, but I mean, it definitely, obviously it was competitive. Like I said, there were so many young guys who were all competing to, to try and prove ourselves and get the respect of those older guys that were there and, you know, the coaches and Coach Talbot and, you know, Coach Freeman who were new. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, um, I think in, in any situation like that, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my dad's a college coach. And so, you know, I can, I see it from a different view with him as well, but, you know, you're, that's those guys livelihood you know that's how they put you know food on food on the table in a house over their family and and so it's you know they're going to push because they have to because they're counting on you know 16 17 18 however old you know 17 to 21 year old you know young adults to to win and and prove themselves and act the right way and and so it's you know i can i mean i've seen my dad get stressed out about about stuff and coach Rowe would always say you know he would 
jokingly but kind of not jokingly be like you know I, I put my phone next to my bed every night and just pray to god that nobody calls me in the middle of the night you know to for whatever it may be um so yeah i mean the the awareness is always at a at a high level um i think with anything like that because it is it's more like a job you know you have they're paying you in the form of a scholarship you know a good bit of the guys and so it's not really in high school. It's you're just kind of having fun with your boys and, and trying to win, obviously. But you get to college, and it's it's obviously a different a different level. So, gonna talk a little bit about uh, that 2015 postseason run. Um, I remember towards the end of the season, it looked like we were one of those teams that uh, you get into the tournament or the conference tournament and. We, we start off a little slow, uh, blow a lead against Texas State, lose the first game. Pretty much one of those situations where if you lose another game, most likely the season ends. Or it would have been very, very, very tough to get into a regional as an at-large based yeah. on the circumstances. Um, yeah. You basically run through the conference tournament. Uh, everybody remembers the famous Grand Slam over that big wall uh, at, at Troy yeah. against South Al by Stefan Trosclair. Talk a little bit about the postseason, uh, especially in the regional in Houston. Um, you got the chance to play first base in the first game against Rice, which was the ultimate <laughs> comeback game. And then you did a, yeah. you had a pitching duo with another freshman from Houston the next day where uh, I guess you could say the Cajuns or you guys won in the most unusual of circumstances. Yeah, the walk-off walk! <laughs> But talk a little yeah, bit about yeah. that. Talk a little bit about that 2015 regional um, and what it meant to you as someone who, like I said, tried to follow those footsteps of the 2014 team and and how the how, how the chemistry, how how the how the team were, were, you guys were able to gel together uh, that time of of year. Yeah, I think honestly, our early season struggles that year, and you know everybody's talking about rebuilding year and and all that. Um, and so I think the only reason all that happened was because of how close we were. Um, so the early season struggles, I mean, we, we had a big team meeting and Blake Trahan, really all the, the old guys held it. Um, and, you know, we just laid some things out there and got cleared the air basically. Um, and after that, it was, I mean, that postseason run was the, the most fun I've, I've ever had playing baseball forever, I think. I mean, that was – we had – like you said, we were winning games. (laughs) We was like angels in the outfield. I'm not even really (laughs) sure how we were winning games, but we were winning games. Um, And we were having a blast doing it, man. And, um, yeah, I mean, that – I mean, you're right. Starting from – I'm trying to think how we lost. We lost – we lost that first game in the conference tournament. I think that, yeah, like Demo had been nails all year and he came in and did his job. And like, it was just the correct, like Stefan, I think Stefan made an error, which he like never made an error. And then Clem dropped that ball in center, which it was just like, all of a sudden it got cloudy and windy and he just dry, he lost it. Just such a crazy start to it. And then just how it all, I mean, how it all went down. It was like, it's almost like it was meant to be. I mean, we were even, uh, I mean, we were all looking at each other in the dugout going through it all. I mean, after we routed off five in a row and then to win the conference tournament, we get into that reason on how we were, like I said, how we were winning games and just, I mean, I know y'all were probably all like, what the hell? And I mean, we were looking at each other like, what, what's going on? <laughs> How's this happening? You know, basically? I, my, my, I had a few friends of mine and I, um, 
we were actually in Destin, Florida for Memorial Day weekend. That was the same weekend you guys were playing in Troy for the conference tournament. And I'll never forget, we're on the beach and I have my phone uh, to, to Radio Pup on ESPN 1420 for the championship game. And we had, we left, we were actually watching the game on the computer at the house. And then, because you had pitched that, that championship game. And then we left yeah. around, I don't know, the seventh inning. I think it was tied at one. And I, but I kept, I kept the phone on. And I'll never forget, we're on the beach. I guess we're just kind of hanging out, maybe having a few drinks and having some fun. And all of a sudden, uh, Jay Walker on the air, he says like, uh, yeah, I think Steph, Stefan was up to bat and he hits it to right field. And he just, all of a sudden I hear, it's a granny or something like that. And my friends and I <laughs> were going, we're going nuts on the beach. Okay. Now just imagine somebody yeah. next to us, you know, we don't have a loud radio. We're listening to it on my phone. <laughs> We're jumping up and down, going crazy. People next to us are looking at us like, like, what the hell is, what, what's wrong with these people? And yeah. I'll tell you, it was, it was a blast. The rest of the night, we celebrated in, in your honor. And um, the next day on the way back, we actually had it on. Uh, I was able to uh, sync the um, the selection show on to my my radio or my my car kind of like we Bluetoothed yeah. it. And um, once we found out we were going to Houston, uh, at the time, my fiance, who was now my wife at the time, I was like, so babe, road trip to Houston next week. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it, it, was an, it was an interesting weekend, to say the least, even for us when we were in Florida listening to you guys win that championship. Yeah, no doubt, man. That Yeah, I mean, like I said, that was – I can't think of any time that that I've had that much fun just – enjoying the game and, and like I said it was almost just like it was I mean stuff was it was just like it was all falling into place you know we were catching all the breaks and during the year you know we we you know we were struggling but we it was like we kind of couldn't put it together we would either pitch well and not hit well or hit well and then give up 12 runs and so it was just kind of like we were never <laughs> and and it was like once we once we got hot it was just like everything you know everything was falling into place I mean it was, I, that was the same year why it after we lost the opening game, it was the elimination game of the conference tournament, and Wyatt, who had been great all year, and he gives up like eight runs or something in the first inning against, Ar- I think it was Arkansas State. And I remember just looking around like, well, you know, yeah, you know, trying to stay positive, but eight-run deficit after the first inning is not looking too promising. And and I'll give the credit to those old guys, man. I mean, they they led the way. They walked in and they were like, you know, it's fine. Everybody stay calm. We're just going to chip away. We're going to chip away and, and we'll look up when the game's over. And sure enough, I mean, we start, I mean, we start ping-ponging balls all over the place and we come back and win that game. And Wyatt comes back the next day, I think, because he'd only thrown like 30 pitches or something. He comes back the next day and starts and is, is great. It was just the whole, the whole thing, man, is just crazy. So, and then to, to, to be, to be linked up, because I mean, you know, they put Houston, they put Houston and the LSU regional together, I'm sure, to get that rematch from when Houston beat them and Alex Box the year prior. Yeah. And so, you know, they're lining that up and little did they know that Raging Cajun Nation was coming through and I mean that super regional was nuts, man. That was you know, that was like I said, the fans at, at UL are unbelievable and it's such a special special place. But I mean Alex Box is obviously, you know, it just in a league of its own as far as the history and, and just everything, you know, you know, you may tell us you, you know, and, right. and so to be there my freshman year and be in Alex box, the new Alex box in a super regional, I mean, that's like, you know, that's, that's the, the Yankee stadium of college baseball, you know, and, and they're, you know, 
similar as far as just their history and, and how successful they've been in, in major major Division One Power Five conference and all that stuff. And and again, having friends on that team, the, the Jordan twins and Jared Foster and guys that I played with and played against, it was it was just so crazy. And I remember I remember start you know that second game I'm starting, and you just you know you kind of get locked in. You don't really I guess take in everything that's happening. And I remember, you know, we start the game and it's a zero, zero, me and Poche are, are both throwing well. And after I gave that home run, I think it was to Savick. Um, In the seventh. And they yeah. all start, they start, well, it was actually probably before that. I think it was just in the midst of it being zero, zero. It was probably the fourth or the fifth. And, you know, the mm. crowd gets okay. going to try and get them going and, and they start, you know, doing the LSU Tiger, and it's going around the whole thing. It's like it's surrounding you, you know. It's and I just remember stepping off, and I was like, I actually realized, you know, what was going, kind of what was going on, like where we were, and and the stage of it all, you know, it was just crazy. Um, it really was that whole. It was just such a crazy and surreal experience. Yeah, you know, Gunnar, you, you mentioned your relationship with, with Wyatt Marks. You know, obviously there's a relationship with Austin Robichaux and, you know, other guys that have made it to the minors from Louisiana. One one thing I want to ask you is have you kept in touch with those guys, you know, while they were in and out of the minors? And if so, what have you learned from them about the process? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, Thurman, Blake, um, all those guys, like I said, I try and keep in contact with as many people as I can. Um, no, but I mean, I think it's pretty unanimous between, you know, through everyone that's played minor league baseball and my dad was lucky enough to do it. So I was able, you know, I'm able to get advice from him and, and kind of know what it's going to look like a little bit, um, before I go into it. But I mean, it's a grind, man. You know, it's, it's, um, everybody thinks that, you know, you, you get drafted and you're a professional athlete and all this stuff. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's a blessing. I mean, it's not very many people get to do it. And and obviously, I don't take that for granted at all, um, especially with everything that has happened with me, with the injuries and all the other stuff. Um, but minor league baseball is a grind, man. You, you know, you're not, you're not making much money. And, I mean, again, you're getting paid to throw a baseball, so it really ain't that bad. But, you're, you know, you're, you're leaving behind usually um, family, friends, whatever it may be for seven, eight months a year, and you're – you know, sometimes half, you know, all the way across the country, halfway across the country in the cold and the rain, you know, it, it, there's so many different places that you can go, um, you know, and, and it can be taxing for sure from, from what I've been told. Um, basically just like, you know, you better love it if that's what you, you know, cause the road is obviously the light at the end of the tunnel is, is, is unbelievable and the big leagues and, the big league lifestyle and the money and the travel and just everything that goes along with that is, is obviously, you know, second to none. Um, but the road there isn't, isn't, uh, isn't all, you know, rainbows and, and roses. So. So um, real quickly um, after that 2015 season um, in 2016, there were a lot of high expectations. I believe one of the collegiate baseball polls had uh, the Cajuns, your team ranked number six, as high as number six, I believe. Um, yeah. That season, you were pretty much the solid Friday night guy. Uh, you you had a really good outing that year and good enough to where the team was able to, with their play, uh, host a regional. 
last time at the Teague um, before the renovations of the stadium. And you hosted um, Arizona, Princeton, as well as I am drawing a blank on the last team. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) Um, Sam Houston. Sam Houston. That's right. Coach Diggs. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes, that is true. And actually, I believe Sam Houston went toe to toe with Arizona. Um, I did, yeah. Yeah, in the elimination game. But talk a little bit about that experience. Um, beforehand, in 2014, there's always stories about the, the the team hosting a regional and a super regional. But getting to do that again, and then for you, for you, um, getting to play in front of the home crowd in a regional, your start or your first start was against Arizona, who actually ended up winning the regional, and they they were ended up being the national runner-up um, before losing to Coastal Carolina in Omaha. But getting the chance to actually start at home in a regional, what was that like? Oh, man, it was super cool. Um, I remember we got – I mean, I, we were pretty confident that we were going to get in, especially leading into the conference tournament, to the tournament, I'm saying. And, and we were on a pretty good win streak, and we just – I mean, we stayed hot. I think we – think we went under yeah I think we went one four or five whatever it was we won the tournament you know without losing and I think that was the I think it was a nine or ten game win streak and I think that's ultimately what pushed us to the to the uh hosting but I remember being on the bus and it was kind of you know it was being talked about and thrown around but obviously it's just you got to be one of the best 16 in the country so it's tough to do um and I remember when it popped up on the screen and we're all watching on our phones and I mean, we just went like ballistic. I mean, I'm surprised the bus didn't wreck, but everybody, <laughs> you know, we're just ecstatic. And um, no, man, that was, that was, again, one of, that was the coolest experience, you know, of my college career, honestly. Um, just being able to bring that to Lafayette, because, you know, you know how much pride the city takes in UO baseball and, and every, you know, everything about UO athletics and to be able to bring that to them, just like the 2014 team did, um, you know, it was, it was, it was everything. It was, I mean, it's what you work for. You know, that's why, I mean, you, you know, you, you want to host and you want to obviously make it to the super regional and the college world series and all that stuff. And Arizona, you know, got hot at the right time and, and, and ran us out of our own stadium. But I mean, still, I think, you know, we had a great year, um, a great team and um, just kind of how the chips fell that year. Yeah, and you know, obviously, you know the the twenty fifteen. You you're talking about the twenty fifteen super with LSU. You know, one one thing I wanted to ask. I was looking at the the lineup for LSU back in twenty fifteen. They they had guys like Andrew Stevenson and you know Astros third baseman Alex Bregman. What was it like, you know, to look back at it now? And you know, Alex Bregman is a was a is a perennial MVP candidate now. What was it like to say that you yeah. pitched against a guy like that? No, I mean, that I think I mean that lineup was I don't remember if they were the number one team in the country or not. I mean they were for some time throughout the year, I know that. Um but I mean that was I mean that lineup was that lineup was unbelievable. Um there was no you know, usually you know, especially, you know, in the Sun Belt or anywhere really, it doesn't matter. Even in the SEC you might seven, eight, nine, or maybe you got a defensive specialist tucked in there, a guy that can really play shortstop but might struggle swinging the bat or whatever. So you can kind of – usually you can maneuver your way around a lineup, but there was no maneuvering around there. It was just like 
one after another after another after another. And I mean, you had to be, you had to be on the top of your game to even stand a chance because they'll just overwhelm you, you know. Um, no, but it, it's definitely cool to obviously Alex uh, Alex Bregman is is one of the best players in baseball right now and, and was one of the best players in college baseball at the time. Um, and all those guys, I mean, uh, cool. You know, Andrew Stevenson, Lafayette STM guy, um, obviously just won the World Series with the Nationals. Um, I'm trying to think of everybody. I mean, their team was just stacked. I mean, I, Jared Foster was playing. Exactly. I don't – yeah, I don't remember if he was playing second at the, at, in, during the Super um, but I mean, I played high school baseball with him. He he went to Barb, and I played baseball with him, so I knew him personally. And then Bo and Bryce Jordan were sitting on the bench. And I mean, I, same thing with Ken and I grew up with them. We played ball since we were t-ball together. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was that was a super cool experience. Um, yeah, I mean, no doubt, definitely, definitely tell the grandkids, you know, that that I, I got a chance to to throw a super regional at, at, at Alex Box and throw to Alex Bregman and and all those guys. Because I mean, it, right now it's looking. It's looking. If Alex Bregman stays on the pace he's at, he'll be, he'll be in, uh, he'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. So that'd be a good story to tell the kids. So everybody uh, around the around the Cajun athletics knows your dad, Tim Leger, or should I yeah. say, Coach Tim Leger, uh, local guy. <laughs> Went to Acadiana High School. I, I actually met him when he was uh, coaching at STM. I was a uh, Katrina Cougar. I was one of the guys from New Orleans who, uh, my, where my family and I were displaced and uh, had the chance to meet your dad because he taught PE in the same class in the same time I had PE. And um, yeah. he went to Magnese for a little while, became the OC there, and then he went up uh, to UL Monroe for a year or two to coach receivers before finally coming full circle back home to coach the University of Louisiana football team as the wide receivers coach. Um, for someone like yourself who has brought a lot of value to to UL baseball as a former pitcher, now a former pitcher, what's it like for you to have your dad coach at UL? And really, when he came back, um, was it – I mean, what was it like as, a, as, a, as someone who plays on the baseball team but then having your dad coach football? I mean, that had to have been a really, really neat experience. Yeah, no, it was super cool. I know it was, um, it made it a lot easier on him and, and my mom. Um, uh, my mom is, is a city girl. She's a Lafayette girl. So she didn't, she wasn't, I'll just say she didn't fit in in Monroe. She wasn't, uh, she's not the country type. So she was ready to get back, back home. Um, and I know my dad was too. My dad, obviously, um, Coach V, who's at ULM, and, and he loved his time at ULM. Um, and, and I mean, it, you know, it led him to UL, which, um, which is awesome, obviously. Um, but no, I mean, it was, uh, like I said, it's just crazy how, how kind of it all went down, you know, cause if I, if I go get drafted or, or, you know, take whatever opportunity my junior year, you know, we probably never have that, you know, I'm not there, you know, he might go, but I'd be gone. Um, so it, it was super cool to have him there. And I know it made it easier on him as far as, come and see games and, and being able to a lot easier to come in the home games because like I know when he was at ULM it was something where you know he he had to leave Thursday night or they he might he might have drove in Friday and then it's you know sometimes as soon as I got pulled he might have to go back because um, they have recruiting or they have whatever the next morning um, so I know it was tough on him and as far you know from that aspect um, no but I mean it's it's super cool to to be able to to still have 
you know, obviously I'll always be invested in that university and, and all the programs there, but to have him still, you know, there affecting, um, affecting the program and, and the athletic department is really cool. And I mean, they got it, they got it rolling, man. 11 wins is they got it rolling. So. Gunner, you know, we, we did this with, with Austin Robichaud in our last interview, whether it was in the dugout on the bus practice, whatever it may be, tell us a story about the 2015 team, your freshman year that nobody has heard before. Oh Lord. Um, no pressure, man. No pressure. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> shoot. Yeah, that's tough. You got to y'all should have told me that before I get on here. Um nothing. I this is actually this just popped in my head, but this is kind of funny. So, obviously we're struggling, you know, in the beginning of the year and you hear all the rebuild chatter and all that stuff and you're trying to obviously coach Talbot's trying to install you know his stuff and coach freeman's there and so you got a lot of new things along with new players and all that stuff um and so we're struggling and i remember basically we were i don't remember what the goal was set but suge was still there so suge came back and suge's like the you know the old veteran the old wiley veteran and so (laughs) we have a team meeting and all the old guys are leading it and and Suge basically steps in and he said something like, you know, I didn't effing come back here to, to go 500 or whatever. Like just kind of like going, it was like almost everything. It just, everybody was so frustrated. Like people are just kind of blowing up and we're just kind of like dishing it all out, clearing the air or whatever. And so, you know, we have our big talk and all that stuff. And the next day he walks in smiling like he always is. I mean, he's always, he'd light up a room and he's, he's goofing around and <laughs> He basically he had gone home and he had made a like an elementary project poster of like how many wins we needed to get and he drew like like these terrible boxes that we like could mark off and then it had like how many losses like basically we needed x amount of wins and this is as many games as we could lose to to get to the tournament essentially or what we thought we needed to do to get there and wow. so I just remember it was it was so funny. Cause it was such a, I mean, it was like, literally it looked like, it looked like he had it. It looked like he had his kindergartner draw it. I mean, like, it was like three-sided but, poster board. Yeah, no, it was just like the, yeah, like the <laughs> little fold up. It was poster, literally like an elementary style poster. So it's like he had drawn, he had drawn it with Sharpie. And I, I mean, it stood, you know, it, it hung in the, in the uh, locker room and we'd roll in there. You know, we kind of started, Figuring it, figuring it out a little bit at the end of that year, and we put it together a little bit. We roll in there, and that was the first thing we did after the game. We'd mark whether it was coming back from a road trip or whatever, and we'd we'd exit off. And I mean, sure enough, we got there, and, and you know, that. the rest is history. But yeah, I that was that. that was funny, man. <laughs> Shug was Shug, Shug the man. So it's kind of like on Major League. Whenever for each win, you strip off a piece of clothing from the lady or whatever the owner. <laughs> yeah, that. That actually, that is a great compare. That is exactly what it was like, but it was uh, a pre-K drawing with <laughs> boxes and like he had colored in some of the like the lettering, and it was it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Wow. So you've had many many outings um, in the years that you were you were with the Louisiana baseball team. Um, my personal favorite 
was your outing against Arizona in the regional in 2016. Thought you pitched a great game, great atmosphere overall. Um, just yeah. a great outing for judging by the circumstances. Uh, Matt, I'm sure you have your own, uh, you know, favorite gunner outing. I'm sure Josh, our friend, man about town, has his. I think he had said uh, 2015 when you when you played Alabama in the way that, like you said, you pretty much destroyed them that Sunday. Um, well, first of all, Matt, what is your favorite outing? Not to put you on the spot. No, my my favorite outing has to be his his rookie his freshman year against LSU in in the Super. I mean, for for a freshman to to face that kind of intimidation that atmosphere and and do it the way that that gunner did was yeah you know yeah. was phenomenal so so with that gunner what is what what do you think of all of the uh the 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 starts you had for ul what was your favorite start Ooh, i appreciate y'all saying that um but um i'm trying to think there's a lot of them man um i would say the one that was just because it was so unique and it was so special to me Growing up, watching, I mean, UL baseball was really the first college baseball I'd ever watched. My grandfather has had season tickets there forever. Lion! I remember. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He had had season Uh tickets there forever, and I remember sitting up. I don't remember the section. It's kind of by section A. It was like a section right of section A. It was before the new stadium was there. Yeah, before the new stadium was there and everything. And I remember going up there, and that was, you know, again, that was like the first college baseball I had ever really watched. And so whenever, you know, whenever they were in the process of building a new stadium and, you know, we weren't sure when it was going to be done or when we could play on or with that whole deal. And I just remember like so bad that I wanted, I wanted that first start just cause I, it was so cool to me that, you know, I was able to start in the old one and start in the new one. Um, and so to be able to start that first game in the new one, um, the new state, even though it wasn't finished I mean, you could still see the steel beams everywhere and stuff. But it was just so cool to me. Um, I just remember, you know, walking behind the mound before the first inning started, which I never really do, and just kind of like taking it all in. Um, it was it was just a it was a really cool experience for me. Gunner, you know, you you sat out all of 2018 and you came back for your senior season in 2019. Stepping out on the turf of Russo Park again, what what was that like in 2019 after missing a year and a half? Yeah, man, that was, uh, it was, uh, it was special. It was, um, you know, doing my pregame routine and doing my stretch and stuff. And I usually, I'll, you know, I'll do some running and do some different stuff. And I usually run into center field and, you know, might say a little prayer, just have some self-talk to myself um, kind of before going through my pregame pin. And, and I just remember like crouching down and just like started crying like a baby. Like I couldn't even hold it back. Um, and I'm trying to hide it from everybody so they don't see that I'm out there crying. But just looking at the stadium and the and the the, uh, the fans are starting to pile in and stuff. And obviously we had Texas there, so it was a big game. Um, and you know I just remember getting that that first strikeout in the first inning. And I mean I I just kind of lost. I don't I think I blacked out, but I it, you know it was the first inning and it was one strikeout and I'm I kind of like lost it. Like it was a pivotal point in the game, but it was just kind of everything coming full circle, you know, and all the frustration and the rehab and just all the stuff that came along with it. Um, just kind of letting it out. Um, but no, that was, um, that was something I'll never forget. That's for sure. All right, Gunnar, before we let you go, we got one more question for you. Um, you know, we, we like to ask this, 
if you can if you can describe you know being a raging cajun in you know a, a few amount of words what would you say Oof, being a raging cajun in a few words what would tony robichaud do i mean that that guy uh, you know he's the epitome of he built you know raging cajun i mean he built the culture you know and i know Coach Billy Napier and, and my dad and that staff have, have run with that, you know, the hashtag culture. But I feel like that culture started because of Tony, you know, Coach Rowe. And I don't think, you know, anything that 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 university does from this point forward, which I think are going to be, you know, it's going to be unbelievable to see it grow and, and everything like that. Baseball, basketball, t- everybody, tennis, it doesn't matter. You know, I think Coach Rowe was the initial turning point of that you know, 20, 30 years ago, whenever it was that he took over. And I mean, he used to show me pictures of what the stadium looked like when he first took over. And, you know, there's maybe a hundred people in the stands and they're down like a ton of scholarships because all these violate, just all kind of crazy stuff. And just to see where it, you know, I come from, from that to now, you know, he gets that stadium built and rightfully so, you know, because I mean, the city deserved it. The, the university deserved it. He, he deserved it. Um, so I think if if the word what your you know the sentence or the question you know what does it mean to be a raging Cajun? I think you just tag along Tony Robichaud to that, and I think that's you know people say what would Jesus do? It's you know to be a raging Cajun. It's what would Tony Robichaud do? I love that. That's awesome. Nice. Well done. Gunner, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, good luck with the Indians, and um, you know I'm sure you'll be following along this baseball season. Winding down, we got about 16 days till first pitch. But uh, yeah, it's getting close. I'm trying to get down there. I'm I'm trying to get down there for at least opening night on Friday. Um, so I'm gonna try, I'm trying to figure all that out. Once I figure out my report date and all that, I'm gonna try my best to be down there. So you know I'll probably uh, hopefully I see you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, be there. Love to meet up with you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Gunner. Appreciate uh, it, man. Yeah, thank y'all for having me on. All right, there he goes, Gunner Leger. Cajun Nation, appreciate you listening as always. Appreciate Gunner for coming on. Jerry, appreciate you joining us as well. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. You can subscribe pretty much everywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Buzzsprout.com, CastBox, Overcast. You name it, we're there. Uh, you can find us there. You can also email us at RagingCajunArmy at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, you know, just general tidbits, whatever you have. You can email us over there. And we'll talk to you guys next week. As always, go Cajuns.